BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Liv Perez. I hope you're all well. I am doing very well. And I'm very excited about today's episode because we have a guest back on the show. And today's guest is someone who I have not only admired on screen, but have a deep admiration for their personal style. Her name is Zoe Lister-Jones, and she is an actor, writer, director, and producer, and personally, a major girl crush. You've seen her in How It Ends, A Good Person, and the first episode of her new show, which she also wrote, directed, and starred in, called Slip, aired over the weekend. It is so funny. Do not miss it. It's on Roku right now. And it's a show where her character transports to parallel universes through orgasm. It is so witty and sharp. It's just so fun. The episodes are 30 minutes long, which I'm loving these days. I feel like I can fly through a season and just be totally sucked in and immersed to that story. And that's exactly what happened with this show. Absolutely loved it. She is also a bona fide style star for her eclectic and vintage style. I am such a fan. She wore this gorgeous Markarian suit to the slip premiere that I just am like drooling over. I truly love her style. You can always expect a bold collar, bows, and so much more. In this episode, Zoe and I got to sit down and talk about our obsession with parallel universes and how she uses fashion to find new versions of herself. We also talk about where she loves to shop and some of her most prized possessions in her closet. I hope you guys love today's episode. Go watch Slip and follow Zoe on Instagram. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. I love hearing your feedback and reviews really help the show grow. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Liv Perez with two Bs. I hope you all have an incredible week ahead and I'll see you guys next week. Here's my friend, Zoe Lister-Jones. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be on the show. We're sort of twinsing. I was just about to say that. We both have leather jackets on, black tea. <laughs> interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so how are you? How's your day going? I'm like, I am. I watched Slip over the weekend and just absolutely loved it. It was oh. so much fun and I can't wait for people to see it because I think it's just going to universally spark a lot of joy. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I've been good. I've been busy, which is always good. You know, yeah. Slip yeah, is coming out April 21st. It's like giving birth, you know, I've never given birth, but this is what I assume it feels like, right? <laughs> but it is, it's, it's like, it's so thrilling to be, because it, it was an idea that was percolating for so long. And then 
you know, I, I wrote the whole thing in quarantine. So it was, you know, it's, it's always interesting to go from like a sort of isolated creative experience to one that then is like so communal in the filmmaking process and then to sharing it with the world, which becomes even more, you know. Even um, more vulnerable. Even more vulnerable. Yeah. And I am capitally exposed in this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. You just premiered at South by Southwest. You directed, you starred, you wrote it. I want to hear about how this, as you were saying, you were writing it during quarantine. I want to hear how all of this came to light. It was, I think like my creative process always begins with just like some sort of cosmic download. <laughs> if we want to start there. That like, wait, you have like... to elaborate. Like I need to, I need to hear this because I feel like someone could be like a cosmic download, like, like in your sleep, you know, were you out one night? How do these cosmic really, downloads happen? They're they're generally in like liminal spaces, you know, like it, it might be like during a wake up or a shower or going to sleep. But like, I think if I have like a more existential question that I'm trying to answer in my life, I generally process it through my writing, which is cathartic and an amazing way to sort of, for me to try to navigate those questions me navigating like these pretty universal questions that slip is confronting, like, you know, <laughs> we do with wanting more in our life, which I think like came into hyper-focus in quarantine for so many of us, if it wasn't already in hyper-focus. And so I think I was like, that question was coming up a lot and the sort of what ifs and the sliding doors of my life that I was like reflecting on. I don't, I don't remember the moment where it became a character who was fucking her way through the multiverse, but somehow we landed there, and that's where our, uh, that's what I'm going to call the cosmic download because I don't, don't I don't know where that came from, but it 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 just came to me, and then I it took a couple years because I had some other projects for me to to like get it down on paper, but then once I was ready to do it in quarantine, it just all kind of came pouring out, and it was so fun to write the entire season, which was really fun and and a great way for me to like try to I guess contend with some of those like bigger questions in my own life really quickly for people who haven't seen it yet can you give (laughs) like the brief synopsis yeah slip follows a woman named May Cannon who is feeling restless inside of her marriage and one night she ends up cheating on her husband and wakes up the next morning married to the guy she cheated on her husband with and over the course of the season she learns that through orgasm she's accessed a portal to a multiverse and so she's basically fucking her way into all of her parallel lives and relationships and getting to <laughs> take part in all of the fantasies that sh- that have been living in her mind but sort of flash forwarding to to what those realities would look like in relationship this idea is so prevalent to me because i i i feel like some people during covid could have either been, you know, satisfied in some way in their life and just kind of dealing with quarantine. For me, I moved across the country during quarantine. I moved back home and it really happened so suddenly for me. I had come back to LA to visit my fiance pre-COVID and got stuck here in lockdown and never went back to my apartment, never went back to my past life. What? So watching slip to me, I felt such a kinship with you in this idea of sliding doors because it Mm -hmm. haunted me in COVID, haunted me this idea of parallel universes. Couldn't stop thinking about what other lives I should be living, where I should be, where I could be. Am I in the right life? I became obsessed with understanding if I was in the right life or not. 
I felt really seen seeing everything everywhere at once because I felt like mm-hmm. so many people obviously resonated with that movie so much. And whether it was during COVID or not, I think us as humans are obsessed with the idea of sliding doors. And yeah. I just want to hear a little bit about your experience and why it felt so so important for you to tell that story because I do think that there's something really universal about this idea right now and something that mm-hmm. almost every person is thinking about in their life. The multiverse is like very very relevant. Totally. It's so interesting cuz like I feel like you see that happen with like zeitgeisty things in in the culture where many of us were writing these things that, obviously not knowing, you know, years ago that we were all sort of veering towards the same, (laughs) the same like questions and answers, I guess, which like the multiverse is, is this way for all of us to, to figure out like, yeah, how to deal with that anxiety of like, am I in the right life? And what, what would another life look like? And should I be pursuing that other life? (laughs) Slippery slope. And and that like, it's it's a slippery slope, my friend. I think that sense of restlessness is so human. Like, I don't think there's a person who, whether or not they admit to it, I, I don't think there's a person that hasn't had those those feelings. That yeah, I think for me, slip was a way for me to like figure out if that was a human thing and if that was like an okay thing, if that was a universal thing. I think that's always like the most incredible part of like writing from my own experience or writing to answer my own personal questions is that you feel quite alone when you're asking those questions of yourself. And then when you share the work, everyone's like, oh no, no, we're all asking those, those questions and none of us are alone in having those, those feelings. But I guess for me, like I've always been a person who like, I will meet someone. If I'm attracted to someone, <laughs> like even in the slightest, I picture an entire life with them. And I think in some ways it's a way for us to figure out what we want, what we don't want, what we're looking for. I, I think fantasy is a really helpful tool like for people, unless and sometimes it can be dangerous too. And right. I think in quarantine, where, whether you were in a relationship or not, like fantasy played a huge part, right? In like keeping us all sane. And so for me, this was, I think, me exploring those fantasies, but also understanding that 90% of the time the fantasy is going to like way supersede the reality of what that would actually look like. And, and so I wanted to be able to show also like the bleak reality of, like, oh, I'm going to fantasize about, like, fucking this hot, famous, like, musician. That's just something that's happening. <laughs> that happens in the show. I'm not talking about my real life. And then you get to, like, see, you know, once once we jump into that life, that there are so many complicated elements to being in a relationship with a person of that status and who's the narcissist and all of those things. So I, I just thought playing those fantasies out would be so fun. So what's your consolation on a day-to-day when being confronted with parallel universes how have you like stayed in this reality <laughs> oh i'm not here i'm long gone <laughs> no wait we are um, in the parallel universe we're in the multiverse we are I, I totally believe it i mean i think also like we're all constantly trying on different selves and i think that's like a totally human thing that is hard to admit but especially in relationships and and so i you know, I still I still do that. And, and it's kind of a fun and exciting thing to explore the, you know, multitudes that we contain, especially like when it comes to intimacy. And I think for me too, like in my 30s, I started to become more embodied, like sexually. I think that is something that 
at least amongst like my friends, like that happens for women in a different time, a sort of sexual awakening that I also wanted to put into this show. I think that's where like, that's why orgasms became like the centerpiece of every episode for me. Like that was the, the mode of transportation because I also think that we don't really talk about that enough. And like the hangups that so many, I mean, so many people have in their twenties sexually, but I think particularly women and, and what happens in our thirties is like, it can be very cool if, if we allow ourselves <laughs> to kind of explore it more unapologetically. So I, I also wanted my character to be driving that, that sex train <laughs> all the way into the station. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick break. You guys know this spring I have been loving Vionic shoes. If you haven't heard about them yet, Vionic harnesses science to make shoes that bring balance to our lives. Their shoes are designed for dynamic movement so you feel energized and confident all day. Whether you need sneakers for long walks, smart casuals for the office, or shockingly comfortable heels, they have you covered because they offer everything from every day, all day, and every occasion wear. Since you guys know I've been loving them, I thought I would tell you how I've been styling my two favorite shoes from them. The first shoe I love, they're Lena Ballet Flat. I have them in black and I wear them literally every day. This ballet flat is so different than any other one because you actually feel supported and not like you're literally walking barefoot. I love these shoes. I wear them with jeans and a white tee or a little cardigan. It's truly become my everyday go-to outfit. The other shoe I've been wearing nonstop are their Georgie Mules. I got them in this really cool army green color, and I've been loving wearing them with like an all-white cream look. I'll wear them with cream slacks and a cream sweater, and it just feels like a really nice spring transitional outfit. And the greatest thing about Vionic is they offer a 30-day risk-free trial, so there's no reason to not try them, buy a bunch of pairs, see what you love, see what works in your wardrobe, and return them. Since it's spring, it's the perfect time to change over your closet and find things that you love for the new season. And of course, I have a code for you guys. You can use code FRIEND at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. That's V-I-O-N-I-C-S-H-O-E-S.com. Enjoy them. Let's get back to the show. I love what you were saying earlier about, you know, trying on different parts of yourself because I feel like for me, that's why I love fashion because I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm able to become different people and embody maybe some of those parallel universe personalities that I feel are lingering out there for me to for me to discover. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, you and I both as fashion lovers can feel that fashion can be so transformative. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that, how it can be transformative in your work, both personally, but also as an actress. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt like fashion is such an incredible means of self-expression you know and and like you said like a way to sort of push the boundaries of our self-expression like I I always I think when I was younger especially like I shaved my head when I was 11 and like that's when I really got into like thrift stores and and garage sales and I was sort of playing with yeah my my gender expression even like I was like very androgynous and and wanting to see what that felt like to just like I was wearing like polyester like suits <laughs> but like when I look back at that time yeah I think about the way that my my fashion sense was really like leading the charge for me in terms of exploring my identity and I think it's continued to do that throughout my life and yeah I think it is a really it's like 
obviously can be looked at as superficial, but like I think it's a it's quite a deep means of self-expression. On the show, that was so much fun. Like to try on these different selves and to work with like my my team, my costume designer on what each of these maids would be wearing in each of these different worlds. The second episode, May gets to go into like a walk-in closet and try on all of these clothes that she, in the first world she would have never had access to because now suddenly this person has money and is like a wild sort of fashionista. And then suddenly she's like transformed. And, and so it was really fun to like sort of layer these selves too, like to bring pieces from world to world and then shift it by, with a, a, a new piece that would be emblematic of this new personality i think in my in my work and my life i i do really like to play with fashion <laughs> we have to go back to the 11 year old self because for me <laughs> i'm i am always so curious about discovering those kind of pivotal moments in someone's life when they begin to mm. understand their fashion identity or even try to hone in on what their style could be I think even, you know, I'm 29 in my life. I think that that's like a daily practice. Like I'm still honing in on what it is that I love and, you know, what it is that I love to wear. And again, we were saying the different parts of myself, but I have to hear about that 11 year old self. And, you know, for someone now who I love your fashion choices and they're so different and they're strong and you have such a distinct point of view, what was your upbringing like? in that process of honing in on your personal style? Well, my mom was always, my mom has a great sense of style. My my grandma has a great sense of style. She's 97 and still looks chic as fuck, you know? And I was actually talking Love to it. her. I just visited her, visited her and I was like, I thanked her because I don't think, you know, I, I do think in some ways, yeah, the, whoever your style icons are, like we sort of absorb our fashion identity from, whoever we're exposed to and uh, yeah like pre-internet <laughs> it was a totally different game to sort of find those influences you know but yeah I, I guess I I don't know I guess you know the 90s were like a big a cool time to be experimenting with hair and fashion and like the shaved head I think I think when I shaved my head I was just so young like I thought it was gonna look different <laughs> but I, I looked cool, but I looked like an alien from another planet. And and that was cool, too. I think, like, there's something amazing about was bullied quite badly at that time in my life. But there was something about me, like, making it through that sort of difficult time and and not backing off of my passion identity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, no, fuck, fuck all of you. <laughs> you're wrong. This is cool. <laughs> and I left that school because I wasn't bullied. And I went to this kind of like cool, cool kids schools where I would be less bullied, <laughs> like a school for more for weirdos. But when I left, like the next year, a lot of like the people who were bullying me, girls particularly, were wearing like those same polyester pants that I had been just reamed for. So, you know, I, I think what a fascinating... Yeah. Fascinating cycle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thrifting to me is such an amazing way to like start to explore one's fashion identity, especially at that age, like in adolescence, because you are trying on other people's clothes, but also it's such a treasure hunt. And that's one of my favorite things about fashion is is even when you're not thrifting, I'm just going into a store and and 
treasure hunting for things that speak to you or feel like they're going to spark joy <laughs> in your I love, life. I love that you're saying this because our episode last week was literally about some of my favorite th- thrift stores in LA and how I think that if you're struggling with honing in on your personal style and figuring out what you like, thrifting is the best gift you can give yourself because you have to walk into a store. Totally. It's completely uncurated. You have to dedicate to yeah. the fi- time to finding things you like. You also have to dedicate the mental like wherewithal to not fall victim of like yeah. to like wearing like all these like eras moments. And you have to find things that really suit you. And I think it's I I really love what you just said because I think it truly is one of the the best experiences if you are are struggling or or trying to find who you are from a fashion perspective. Totally. And it's low stakes. I mean, if you're not going to a super expensive right. Thrift store, like it is, you get to play a little more because you know things are are on the, the the cheaper side, except for like when people are selling, you know, like four hundred dollar vintage right. band tees, which I'm always like, oh god, no, what are we doing here, folks? Well, now I have to know what's your favorite vintage store in LA. Mm. Okay, well, this is a little, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing that like I don't really that I wanted to know what what yours were because I don't really feel like I have a good hold on vintage in LA. Right. There was a store, I don't know if it's still open, but I think it is called Scout. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Is it still open? It's still there. It's on Melrose. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say that that it is like one of my tried and true. I haven't been in, in years, but like the curation is incredible. It's incredible. And the way that I described it, and maybe this is a bad way to describe it, but I feel like it's really easy when you go into a vintage store for it to feel either really kitschy or very youthful. Scout to me feels like a curated, grown-up, elevated edit of vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great and like it's like refined and minimalist, but there's still like loud pieces. Yes, um, that if you want to be loud, <laughs> it's amazing. I would say my two favorites, both on La Brea, Jet Rag is really fun. It's just like if mm-hmm. you love to sift, like that is the sift. Totally. And then right down La Brea is a vintage store called Recess where they do sell a bit more designer driven vintage moments, but I think their pricing is fair versus like some of these stores you can go into and everything's like a thousand dollars. This is like you can get yeah. like a beautiful like Escada suit for like two fifty, three hundred dollars, and you're like, okay. Now we're talking. Wait, I have to go there. Oh, it's stunning. And also, if you're looking for stuff for home, they have like an amazing selection of really cool stuff. The jewelry oh, to me amazing. is like bar none for vintage. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I really get down with vintage jewelry. Me too. I love costume jewelry. As do I. My only thing is that I always have to go get the earrings because they're always clip on. I have to go get a post in because if not, it just drives me nuts. Like, it's it just drives me nuts. Well, now I have to know what is your like most prized favorite possession in your closet. It's always so hard for me to choose. The thing that's coming to mind right now is like, and this is a new piece, so it's not like a historic Fine. piece for me. But I have these Amy Crooks boots that go with a matching dress. I don't know if you know her, but like, I'm hey, the boots with match it. the dress. Dress. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a winner for and me. And like, it's a really cool look, and I I bought it. In Toronto, I think Toronto, I was shooting, I shot stuff in Toronto and I think okay. Toronto has some incredible fashion and, and, and shopping. And I, I was like, there's one store called hundred percent silk there that I was literally on my way to the airport. And I was like, sir, can you stop the car? Like rolled out, ran in, in like two minutes, bought the shoes and the dress. <laughs> there are some stores that just, you know, they hook line and yeah. sink you like that. I totally get it. Yeah, totally. But I have so many prize pieces. No, I was going to say, 
there is a pair of vintage leather shorts that are such a staple in my wardrobe that I bought at Assembly New York. Yeah. And they, great store. And they also have a great vintage like raft or two usually. And when you, when you find those pieces and then you're like, I'm wearing this every single day of my life. Best feeling. (laughs) A good, a good leather short. You're like, how did I live with, how did I live before this piece? Yeah. No idea. I loved what you were saying earlier about how there are a lot of Rachel Comey pieces in the show. I feel like you have so many amazing relationships in the industry. I know there are also, you know, Kalina Strada's in there. Sandy Alexandra. Susan Alexandra. So many amazing, like tried and true New York brands that I think are really, it's those brands to me right now that are really pushing the industry forward. Every single one of them has a unique perspective and and such a unique identity. And I'd love to hear about how those conversations and collabs came out within the show because it's just, it's great. Oh, thanks. I mean, those are just some of my favorite designers. I, I love, um, like you said, I, I think they are pushing the industry forward. They're also like small and singular in their visions and playful and cool. And yeah, I wanted, I wanted there to, I wanted to be able to showcase not that they need my showcasing, but I did want to be able to showcase designers that I loved in the show. And like, there's one pair of white loafers that it yeah. is like a sort of Carrie's May from universe to universe. That they're a pair of Rachel Comey loafers that I was like coveting. <laughs> you know, like did um, you get to keep them afterwards? I hope so. No, Ugh. no, because I'm writing a season two, and okay, and okay, we need them. We don't. We might need them. We do have multiple pairs, so I think. Right. Once, once the show is over, I will be keeping those. But yeah, like also I, you know, have watched a lot of those people come up in the fashion world and it's always just so exciting to like then see them explode and, and still stay so true to their like visions. But yeah, like when the Sandy Langs showed last fall, it was like, she's just pushing things in such a cool direction. And they all are, every time I go into Rachel Comey, there's not, I don't think I've ever gone in and not left with something. Like I can't, I can't go in <laughs> to the store without finding something that I'm obsessed with. And Susan Alexander is a friend and I love what she's doing, you know, with accessories. And Gina, who's like my best friend in the show, my character's best friend played by Tamika Tafari, gets to also play with fashion in a really fun way. So like she's wearing Kalina and she's wearing a lot of Susan Alexandra. And so it was also cool to like, differentiate the two of us in terms of how we expressed ourselves stylistically another brand new york brand that you wore that i love markarian i the set that you wore for the south by southwest premiere <sighs> i just you. die i die for a matching set like that especially when it's like me too fabric that i would see on my grandma's couch like a tapestry fabric just it just, was and it was like beaded it was like embroidered with beads it felt like my wedding day because it was a it was a cream yeah short suit. <laughs> it was um, great. Ali mm-hmm. O'Neill Markarian to me just every piece has its own unique identity under the umbrella of her identity, and that's what I love. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, and there's also like within the line, there's so many like variations on ways to you know like you can wear something skin tight, or there can be something that's like really structural. I just. I do die for a set. It's all I want to be in. (laughs) I do too. And there was actually an article that just came out, I think in the New York Times, or maybe it was the cut. I can't remember, but it talked about the rise of the set and how since COVID to now, sets have just become 
a really like instant win for people who are either like learning their fashion sense and just like being able to have that confidence of wearing something that feels really put together or for people like you and me who just want to take risks and wear like a bralette with hearts all over it and just feel really good in a set. I don't know. I feel great in a set. If I could live in sets, I would. Me too. It's interesting. I wonder what that is. Like, is there some sort of like comfort in a set? Post yeah, I think pandemic? it's like when I put on a set, it feels zero frills. Like I know I'm not going to yeah. be fixing myself all night. I know that like I look the set to me feels like a natural progression of like when we were obsessed with like a monochrome moment. And like totally. I monochrome was like cool, but it wasn't for me. I felt like it was a really safe choice. And like the set feels like a step up from that because I can but wear we're a back. set. Like Valentino, Valentino is back with the monochrome. I know. I know. <laughs> we're, we're back. But you know what? <laughs> yeah. If it's a Valentino monochrome, I guess I'll take it. I'm I, not think, say I think no. so. Yeah. I live for those. But those are sort of sets too, like in this way. Like right. it, it's about a, a complete look. Right. You know, like whether it's monochrome, like tights, shoe, dress, or a bralette. How are you feeling about the colored tights? Do or don't? You did colored tights. I saw you in like a gray. Was it, They were gray, right? I, I love a color tight. I need and, to figure out a way to pull um, it off. There's a lot of like, I see a lot of red colored tights right now. Yeah. I just bought a pink fishnet. See, I'll totally take that. Fishnets are very <laughs> back in. I feel when I was at, mm-hmm. at New York Fashion Week this season, I feel like I saw them everywhere. Yeah, they're like, and I feel like if it's a colored fishnet, because there's some skin showing through, you can, maybe it's like that's your gateway drug to a color type. Totally. You're right. <laughs> I would even do like a white fishnet. I was also thinking about a white fishnet. I think I, I think do a that's white hot. Fishnet. Yeah. Like under I something like silky. also look at silky. a nude. Oh, that's cool. Yes. A nude fishnet is, it's like, I didn't go for it, but there is something interesting about just like a textured flesh. A textured nude. <laughs> a textured flesh. I love it. I love it. For you, yeah. what is the thought process, you know, when you're putting these incredible looks together for red carpet? It's so much fun. I, I, I work with a stylist, Laura Sophie Cox. She's amazing. I think it's just like, you know, when you try something on, you know, I mean, I see, I'll see things on the rack and be like, this feels like something that I want to put on my body immediately (laughs) and never take off. And those are, I'm generally right. Like when I put those on, I'm like, this is the one, but also I think as you, like, as I've grown into my own style evolution, like I just know what cuts look good on me. I know what shapes look good on me. I, yeah. Huge thing. And yeah like and that's not like knocking I I try not to knock my body you know in doing that but it's like to it's actually like great for body image when you're like oh no when I have a shoulder pad or when I have something more structural that's gonna make me feel more confident because it just like it's my shape better or you know whatever like shapeless things for me are no go. <laughs> I need a lot of structure. I need a waist. <laughs> and I like things short because I am a short person. The day that I figured out what silhouettes look best on me was the day that I think my fashion changed forever. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. Definitely I totally felt agree. That. Like even when it came comes down to like a denim cut. Like the day that I realized what looks good and not in like a sh- in a very shameless way. Like you, as you were mm-hmm. saying, like it's not about me sitting here saying like, oh, my body can't do this. It's just about what complements me and leaning into that. Yeah. Which like trends do also help dictate, you know, like, right. because I feel like 
I remember a time where I was wearing such low-waisted jeans. Yes, now they're back. <laughs> which obviously are back. Yep. And I'm not happy about them being back because I much prefer a high-waisted. Well, for you and me who are fine, I don't <laughs> quote unquote short, a low waist is really challenging. It's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> it's very challenging. So, but we don't have to succumb. You know, we can stay high-waisted. <laughs> you can. You can. Trend, trends may be fleeting, but to me they're also eternal. I'm just a big believer in wearing what you want when you want based on how you feel. Totally. Zoe, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for letting me so into your fun. fashion mind. I really, really loved hearing about your point of view and the things that you're loving. It was just so much fun to talk shop with you. It was so much fun to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.